0: Hello and welcome back to the Zenden. Today we have Andreas Liviatis to share the space with, uh, also known as Oni. Oni and I, well, to be honest, probably for the last five to six years shared a pretty deep connection. Interesting that I say that because Oni and I have rarely lived in the same states or country for that matter during that time. And to be honest, with little communication as well, but whenever we do catch up, you know, it's electric, a lot of laughing. With a great combination of a deep understanding of self and movement through our our lives, so something that really stood out during this podcast for me was the realization of relying on external things for fulfilment. We sort of unpack that through Oni's life experience, which you know for his age is is truly remarkable. So yeah, enjoy the podcast, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks. Welcome to the Zendan Brother. It's um, Well, actually, should I say thanks for hosting me in the cigar room? <laughs> yeah, 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 you're very welcome. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's good to have you here. It's yeah. uh, something we're looking forward to very much. So, yeah, yeah. thanks for having me on. No, no worries, mate. Um, before we get stuck into it, um, is there like a, a memory or something, some sort of emotional pull that you have that sort of keeps you motivated day to day? And we'll delve into, you know, your personal life in terms of Um, your professionalism in terms of rugby and and what you do for work but yeah is there something that sort of evokes that motivation um within
1: yeah i think um it's it's hard to touch on one specific sort of emotion i guess that that cuts through but uh straight off the top of my head i'd say all that you know the classic sacrifice i guess that you know um is all that time of training of the summer spent when the mate your mates are down at the beach in your you know, 35-degree heat doing sprints on the hill somewhere. <laughs> Bow ties. Bow ties, yeah, correct. We've done a few together. Um, I think that's what it comes down to because you, you do find sometimes that the motivation is, is lacking. I mean, um, I've been really lucky and fortunate to travel around the world with rugby and play at a, um, you know elite level growing up and in some semi-professional environments at the mm-hmm. moment, um, but, you know, not quite in that full-time professional environment. And sometimes you think, oh, you know, should I still... Do all these things to try and get there? Or is it just is it gone now? So should I just you know focus on my on my career? And, you know, mm. in the nine to five period, and just sort of play you know for the social aspect. But then you have little moments that keep you fired up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have little wins like that, and that's like no, well I've sacrificed so much to get here. I mean, I'm I'm so close.
2: Mm.
1: You know, why not just keep pushing? I think so. Yeah, coming down to that, I think all those those sacrifices growing up through the through the age groups, all the rep stuff, you know, what make it worthwhile. I want to finish up and say, you know, I did. Give it a full, you know, a full go without leaving yeah. anything behind type thing. So you know, yeah, a Red hot crack. Hundred yeah. percent red hot crack. That's yeah. Thing, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, um let's let's actually just delve into the, the rugby sphere for you. Um, you know, you obviously go into a little bit more depth, but just just very quickly, uh, obviously played in Melbourne and then you moved to college in, in America, um, and then due to COVID came back home a little bit early and, and you signed a semi professional contract in New South Wales. So, you know, wherever you want to start the story, you let us know. Yeah, it's quite interesting, you know, we're obviously in Melbourne, footy dominant, um, I know there was a few times where the boys tried to convince you to come play <laughs> footy. <laughs> I was convincing myself. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, um, yeah, overall, I've obviously grown up
1: in a big um, sporting environment. Um, the, the rugby influence, my, my parents born born and bred in South Africa, um, so, you know, dad played at rugby and coached at school. So, the rugby, you know, came from him. Um, But I grew up with a footy in my hand just as much as I had a rugby ball in my hand. So, to be honest, about 12, 13 years old, I I was more footy obsessed than I was rugby. Um, As you said there, Big Feather, I gave myself the Big Feather (laughs) game. I was I was this build and this height at 11 years old so I, I was a genuine full forward and uh, unfortunately everyone around me got a bit taller but I stayed the same width and height um, so no, I love my footy I honestly, yep. um, I did, I was more obsessed with footy but then rugby and, um, just presented itself some more opportunities yep. um, made a couple of rep sides in under 13, 14s and then through the age groups and then um, yeah, with I guess with that comes a bit more motivation and doing well with it and then sort of maybe there was a career to be made out of it or at least a pathway so um, yeah, fortunate enough to play rep programs through the under fourteens all the way through to under twenties with the Melbourne Rebels. Yeah. Um, had a brief little stint in rugby league there with the under eighteens. Um, playing S G ball there for two years and, and that was really, really good fun and unreal experience as well. Just a whole other sort of eye opener into a new environment, fresh people, fresh faces in, you know, um, out of I guess your classic bubble of, of private school and, you know, I'd never really been outside of my own little circle. So that was awesome to be you know, meeting a whole another different pool of players and being coached by different people. I mean, another code, another sport altogether, yeah, really, obviously, yeah, yeah. but um, the two get sort of coupled together, rugby league, rugby union, what's the difference, but there is a huge difference and I learned, learned a lot there, not only just on the field, but just, yeah, mentally toughened me up a lot, I think, just the, the style of training and where it takes you mentally, rugby league, is, is a ferocious sport, so,
2: yeah.
1: Um, yeah, definitely learned a lot there. And then um, in 2018, I was lucky to get a scholarship to play rugby in the US, so, I was in uh, Missouri, which is the... Yee-haw! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> had my fair share of barbecue. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was an, another incredible experience. So, um, another eye-opener and, um, again, fresh people, fresh environment, new experiences all together. Really fortunate there that we had a real, you know, melting pot of different nationalities and people mm-hmm. from all over the place. I mean, I was one of about 10 Aussies. Um, there were five or six guys from England. We had an Argentinian boy. Couple of Venezuelans, Kiwis. Wow. I can just go on South, uh, South Africans. There were a lot of South Africans, big wow. part of it too. So, you know, that was a, such a cool experience. Of, you know, melting all that with the Americans there too. You know, we had an awesome environment there where you learned a lot from other guys just from personal experience and you know their experiences through rugby yep. on the other side of the world. Um, you know, away from the field too. So, yeah, and here I am now. Um, Back in 2021, uh, playing again had the year off last year, obviously with COVID and a few things that I'm sure we'll get into. But um, yeah, really settled and happy playing up in Sydney for for Penrith Emus in the strip Shield, which is to understand a bit like a VFL, I guess. Yeah. Well, for us down here, we know that sort of level. Um, so the next step up, hopefully, would be a professional contract somewhere, if not, in Oz somewhere around the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. It's been a big sort of six weeks now. Yeah. I've been playing up there and um, already learned a lot. So.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's
1: all in all. That's a little so, special for you. <laughs> man, it's
0: a pretty cool roadmap, man. Yeah, and, and one thing that uh, sort of kept arising a common theme was fresh faces and fresh experiences, and that's cool. Um, you know, not often do we get the ability to. You know, I, I'm aware that you have a lot of experience with the Islander boys as well, and um, getting engulfed in that culture is something really cool, man. Like yeah. you know, they're really like loving and supporting, and they get around you, and it's it's pretty unique. Um, and then, you know, you go obviously to the States, and you've got, you know, you just probably mentioned five different nationalities, and with that comes a different understanding and different uh, base of, well, I guess, living. life, yeah. Exactly. Different yeah, experiences, so, you know, when you meet and greet all these people, um, yeah, just, just run us through that, because you've got to approach people differently, man, because, you, you know, how do you deal with someone who's born and bred in America versus South Africa is polar opposite. Yeah. so yeah, yeah, you've definitely. got to be on
1: board. Yeah, well, it's funny you so, say, I mean, you know, touching first of all about the um, you know, Pacific Islander community and and those boys as well, you know, growing up in Victoria, that's, the, that's a lot of the rugby boys yeah. are those backgrounds and, yeah. and they're so much fun, I mean, been really lucky to get along with those boys um, really, really well and I've still got some, probably some of my best mates through rugby um our pacific island kiwi boys you near know, a maori background yep, yep. Um, you know a lot of them come over from new zealand at a young age um and yeah of course some great experiences with, with those guys and it's funny because at the end of the day you know they're big about family and culture yep. it, you know us being a greek background greek heritage it ties in exactly the same i think that's why we've always clicked so well it's just because the, the culture and the, you know the main things that they believe in their values are similar. It's family. You know, it's a brotherhood mentality in rugby anyway, but these guys just add to that with their influence too. So um, that's always been, yeah, a big part of my, my life, having those guys as really good mates, and mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate for that. And then I guess going to America and then seeing, you know, South Africans with their banter and their twists, and just seeing it, it's actually, hey, it's pretty similar. Like <laughs> the Suffer Boys, you know, our, you know, our lingo at the end of it, after three years there, I reckon it was such a hybrid. Some <laughs> of our slang got sort of turned into like Americanized South African yeah, pommy. Yeah. Like, it's so funny, and, you know, obviously, the, the South Africans, English, and us, I mean, similar sort of banter, yep. and the Americans at the start, it's a bit of a shock to them. Like, it is, you know, talking to a South African or an English guy is pretty similar mm-hmm. to talking to an Aussie mate, but sometimes the Yanks, they didn't really know how to take the banter. It's quite funny, when they see us bantering amongst ourselves, and like, oh, okay, they're just taking, you know, the mickey out of each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, You know, it's, it's quite funny how we actually, that's a lot of our culture is based off that, mm. you know, that's what our banter is. Mm. And some of the American guys who may not be used to it could take it to heart. And so they sort of learned our way of bantering. <laughs> um, so that's you're exactly, exactly right. So you do. You, you sort of, you know, find your way yep. to talk to people in different ways in terms of when you first meet them. But then as you do, you get to know someone and, you know, it pretty much just opens mm. up and everyone's pretty relaxed, especially in a rugby environment.
0: Yeah. You touched on something that's really cool, man, and it's we're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're we from different parts of the world, but... Um, I definitely felt some sort of uh, connection when you said like Greeks and Islanders. Like we're based on the same thing in terms of like that unification of the community, and it's quite beautiful. Um, and then you go and see it on a world scale. It's like we're all actually all the same here. Mm. Like yeah, we come from a different places in the world, but we're brought up the exact same way. Yeah. It's
2: that's
0: pretty cool. It is cool. It is very cool. And it's cool to see that on a global on a yeah. global scale. Like
1: going over there for you know not knowing. I knew one guy, well, that I played with here, but besides that, I knew, you know, absolutely mm-hmm. no one at the, mm-hmm. end of the college or in America. It was the mm-hmm. first time going to America, full stop. Wow. So, you know, there are some nerves there. So, yeah. the good thing of rugby, I guess, is that's just automatically you, you're in an environment where you know someone. So, you can bounce off them and then you're, you feel sort of settled. You're almost at home straight mm-hmm. away without mm-hmm. having to try too hard.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, that helps a lot, I guess, traveling around and being on this sort of journey, man, sort of expedition <laughs> yeah, that I'm on, so yeah, it's quite fun.
0: Now you have to, um, you have to give us a sneak preview of what college life is like because you know we all see the movies, the red cups, everyone's drunk, etc., etc. You've got to give us a sneak preview of what goes on. Yeah, look, it,
1: it was it was good fun, but um the thing people don't realise is that if you don't pass your grades, you don't play rugby, so <laughs> that doesn't get put in the movies. So not taken away from the fun that we did have, but. Yeah. Um, It was made very clear from the outset that if you if you're not hitting your grades, that you're not going to be playing on the weekend. So
2: yeah, fair enough. But you
1: know, work and play. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way it is. But we yeah we did have an awesome time. I think you know the the fondest memories for me was um, the tours traveling with the boys. You know, Mm -hmm. you know at the time, you know, sitting on a bus for eighteen hours doesn't not something that I miss in terms of the bus ride. (laughs) But you know, we were traveling around the whole of America, and thanks to rugby, and then off the back of that, when we get some time off. You know, as as a group of boys, we would go and do trips and take advantage of that. You know, we had a couple of trips to Chicago that I've had some great experiences there, some awesome nights out, and just seeing a new part of America just because of making some connections there because of rugby. And then, you know, we did the whole of East Coast. We played Navy. We played Army. We Mm -hmm. went to the Army base, actually, um, which was pretty awesome. We went to Navy, to Baltimore, Mm -hmm. um, you know, bussing around, flying around. We were in West Coast. We were playing in San Francisco. We Mate, honestly, you know, all over Texas, mm-hmm. um, all around the Midwest as well. So, yeah, look, we did have our, you know, have a really good time, and, and the thing I think made it really special, like we enjoyed our time off so much because of what a like intense sort of program it was over there. I mean, when you're there specifically, we were a sports school. Yeah. So you know, we weren't the big. Uh, we had about ten thousand kids on campus, which is still fairly big, but it wasn't those big state unions with eighty thousand kids and the frats and yeah, yeah. all the fraternity vibes. But we, you know, we made it. Our, our rugby team was our frat, you know what I mean? Yeah, so we lived you. together, we trained together, That's we, cool, you know, yeah. we played together. So, um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. There were a few Red Cups floating around, we definitely <laughs> played a bit of beer pong. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think all in all, it was just all these experiences, just travelling, yep. playing, yep. play your game, and you you're staying in the city for a night, you just try and make the most of it. So we head out and just try and take it as much as we could. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was pretty awesome.
0: And, like, he's, the first thing you said was. I don't miss the 18 hour bus ride, but it's obviously stuck with you. And I'm curious to know what sort of connection is made during times of struggle. Obviously, in a sporting environment, it's a little bit different or versus, say, family or social or whatnot. But I feel like the times where your team is, like, really under the pump or, like, you do a crazy training session or, um, you know, you cop an 18 hour bus ride where you're cramped and stuff, there's something in that that evokes like camaraderie. That it's like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. Like, and not at the time, it's like, man, this is cooked. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you a really very quick example of mine. When I was uh, playing footy for Bon Uni, we all met at the Byron Bay Magpies footy ground to train at like 6 a.m. or something, early start. And we did a full training session, finished at well, close to 8 o'clock, a two hour session. And then our coach, Sam Wilson, he just said, righto, everyone, we're meeting at the lighthouse and off the top of my head, it's approximately 10k and like the last 2k is like genuine uphill to yeah. the lighthouse. And we're all looking at it, like, mate, there is no way we're going to the lighthouse right now. And then he just started running by himself. He's like, find a pair and just get there. And we're like, mate this bloke's unwell. We've just finished a session. But sure enough, like, got a mate. And it's like, at the first, like, five, ten minutes, you're like, this bloke's cooked. I can't believe yeah. I'm doing this. Um, but then, like, you know, you just sort of cop it and you get there. And then however long it took us, maybe, like, I actually don't even remember, maybe two hours because we stopped, got some drinks in town, like needed some water and stuff. Yeah. And then we got there and <clears throat> everyone gets there. And you so just look at each other and it's like, well, wow. we all just made it. Like, this... I know it was only like ten K but after the footy session, like yeah. man, it was hot man. Mentally as well. We, we got up there and we're just like, Wow, like this is a cool moment where everyone is on the same page. And I distinctly remember throughout the footy season when, when the chips were down or, you know, third going to the fourth quarter, it was like, Boys, we remember this like this is nothing in terms of like we can we can burn more, like we've got more to give. Um, and it really galvanized us. So unfortunately we fell short that year to a pretty Pretty strong team. I think that year we may have lost the prelim or maybe the grand final. I can't remember. But but the main point was like we had a um, reunion like two years later about it, and we're still talking about it. But that's remember how cooked that was. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's true. It's what brings you together. It does. Um,
1: and I think the cool thing was over there in America was there was the first time where like what it felt like it was like a, a preseason tour or, or or a trip away to go to a competition, but. It was full time in the mm-hmm. sense of because we were living together, we were training together. Like you were twenty four seven with these guys, so every moment of training, every you know the tough, everyone sees the tough session go through. Because yeah. you go over there in about August, we'd have a few preseason games, but you know that back end of the year was our preseason type thing. Mm-hmm. We'd have a couple games in November, but our main games were in, in January, uh, February, going into that so that spring uh, semester over there. Yeah. So you know that that November through that sorry August through to November. Um, semester would always have some seriously tough, brutal sessions, and like I didn't, I, I was, guess lucky because I'd been exposed to some pretty brutal preseason sessions yeah. here. I mean, off the top, I had some of the wrestling sessions with the Stormadeans where we had the senior wrestling coach come down, and put us through our paces. And I remember very going a little bit off topic, but it sort of ties us in. Um, so one of, there was a guy that came down for a trial session. He was going to sort of show his worth to see if he can get a yeah. spot on our team that year. Um, this is pre-season of the under 18s um, the storm side and um, he'd come from rugby union so I knew of him and we were sort of semi-mates whatever so sort of hey he goes oh what's happening today I said oh the Saturday morning we used to get there like 6am have a gym session have a meeting have a field session and then have wrestling so it was like a triple header on a Saturday morning I said oh today's a big session and I was not really sure what to expect when this <laughs> wrestling guy rocks up anyway so um, to give you a go to the end of the story this guy left in tears this player <laughs> So, and that's not even an exaggeration of the, the bloke, exaggeration the bloke, which got put into some serious head noise. Like he, he got, and this and we, we were, I guess, used to it because we knew where we were going to get to mentally, mm-hmm. but it's always tough. I mean, it doesn't make it any easier, yeah. but this guy's coming fresh, having never experienced anything like it. I mean, we were six weeks into preseason, so we knew exactly what was coming, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, those preseason moments had really toughened me out mentally. So going to America, I thought, you know, how tough is it going to get? You know, I've been through some pretty bad mm-hmm. sessions. But mate, we did. We did, we got put through some pretty brutal preseason sessions. I mean, there was a wrestling coach over there as well, and the Americans take wrestling very seriously. Yeah, yeah, college wrestling is actually quite intense. Um, and he was an ex, he was an alum. Um, played a bit of rugby, but at the time he played, it wasn't as serious as it had become now. Yeah, yeah. But he came in. He was actually a wrestler as well, so he came in as a full time defense wrestling coach. Really, and I mean, some of those sessions were just brutal. We used to go down to the wrestling mats into this like sauna of a room. And he'd crank up the heat as well to make it nice and hot. You know, you're sitting there, you're literally slipping and sliding around. And you know, he goes, he'd have penalties for you know guys, you know, hands on hips or hands on heads. Or if you're pulling at a t-shirt, you're not allowed to pull the shirt. Right. You have to get your arm around or whatever it may be. He'd put all these tricks in and just send us to a really dark place mentally. Um, his his name was Trevor. So whenever we'd heard the you name know, Trevor's coming to training, you'd know we were going to get <laughs> to a pretty dark uh, headspace. So. And, that, and that's what made us, I guess, brought us together. And you know, when there's ten minutes to go, I'd often remember sitting behind the, you know, behind the post if we conceded a, a try, and someone would say, "Remember those sessions with Trevor? Here we are now. This is where it counts." Yeah, yeah. Because you know, it's cliche, but it's true. It is because the last ten minutes in a game, when everyone's mentally more so than physically mm. just depleted, it's getting to that dark space because that's what brings you back, and it mm-hmm. gives you that. That unity and that little kick, you know, mm-hmm. it may not always happen. It may not get there. It may not get you over the line, but it's going to give you the best chance. So, yep. yeah, I think our fondest memory at the time, as much as it sucks, it's the fondest memories yeah. when you look back. And as you said, I mean, I'm, I haven't, um, i not sure of any uh, reunions as yet, but I can imagine that yep. that's something that's going to be brought up at, at our reunion with that team. So, yeah, definitely some, some darkest <laughs> spaces that I've been to. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, we'll quickly delve into. So, this year, you planning on staying in Melbourne working and then a contract came up to, to move to New South Wales. A few little roadblocks in the way that, that sort of came in, um, some personal ones obviously with COVID as well. Um, and, you know, we've just sort of touched on being in a dark place mentally yeah. um, and sort of not necessarily bringing yourself out of that but acknowledging that you are in that place and working through that. It, it, it's 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 difficult. Definitely. You know, it's difficult. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, your everyday person, me included, you have these, like, moments of whether it's self-doubt or, like, just at the end of the day feeling shitty or something, something, something's going to work or you're not performing or whatever it is, man. Mm. Sometimes they're moments, sometimes they're hours, sometimes they're days, weeks, etc. Um, through your experiences this year, and you can t- touch on them whatever you like here a bit, through those experiences, what what got you through those those moments of, of difficulty?
1: Yeah, look, it's been a big, um, almost, I guess, 18 months now. So uh, I got home from America of, uh, would have been March 2020. So as COVID was starting to really hit um, across the globe, so we got sent home. We are gearing up for our finals, for yep. our playoff series over there. And then um, within two weeks, mate, they literally said to us, um, classes are going online, you need to get off campus. Um it was quite like sudden as well. So, you know, it wasn't the sort of send off that we were hoping for. I mean, there was a few senior guys in the team. I was one of about three or four, um, you know, no ceremony, no hats in the air, no, mm-hmm. no gowns, you know, no, no sort of senior night or anything like that, that was being planned. So, you know, that was the first thing you sort of rush home because, you know, also you sort of, you don't want to be stuck, you know, you want to be home in such yep. uncertain time. So, okay, whatever it is, what it is, come home, graduate online and then start working. Um, but, then there was an opportunity to potentially play rugby that last year. And unfortunately, I got taken away with COVID as well. So I went sort of the whole year without any any season. Um, so that's why this year, you know, started the year fairly strong in the sense of opportunities coming up. Um, one in Queensland, one in New South Wales, potentially going and seeing what's, you know, available. And then the, the New South Wales one came about, and this was in that comp that I've just talked about in the VFL uh, sort of equivalent. So it was the first time where there'd be a paid opportunity to get some match payments and be in a pretty, you know, elite environment. So I was looking forward to that. And I was like, yeah, 100% let's go. Um, you know, and as life happens, you know, surprises along the way. Probably with about two weeks to go, um, I unfortunately um, had a, oh, don't even know how, or what you'd call it, but I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Yeah. So, you know, and it's, it's confronting saying it still, to be honest, but, um, you know, it was at the time extremely confronting. So, It literally just started as a bit of a a lump that was a bit uncomfortable, you know, the classic, you know, just get it checked, get it checked, being a lot of guys, especially sort of put it off, put it off, but if it wasn't for um, that New South Wales trip coming up, I probably wouldn't have gone and got it checked out as Mm. quick as I did, to be fair. So... Mate, literally got it checked. You know, the doctor said, look, look just to be, you know, extra cautious, we'll go and, and get a scan done. So oh, I went and he didn't come with me. But I, <laughs> he, he, he felt me up. He did all that fun stuff early. <laughs> anyway, so get it, get it checked up. And then, um, you know, they were concerned by the size of this lump. Anyway, yeah. so, mate, literally within 10 days, I'd seen a urologist. he booked in a, a surgery. He goes, we need to get this thing out, did some blood tests, did all these things. And he goes, at your age and, and what we found, it's it's leading Towards it. And the problem is they can't test while it's in there because if they go and poke in there and it can potentially spread. Oh. And that, and that's the issue with it. You need to get it out completely. So they remove the testicle as it is. They can't right. muck around with the, the tumour because right. if they go and poke and then it spreads, obviously that's another yep. whole story and that's obviously not what you want. So, mate, it was gearing up going to Sydney mm. to about 10 days to, to two weeks later, I was on a, on a surgery bed and I'm thinking, like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Like, this is I've had all this shit with COVID. Yeah, I cut short my time in America. I was planning on spending the summer there.
2: Mm.
1: One thing to another, no season last year. I'm thinking, fuck like, Oh, sorry. No, yeah. I'm thinking, mate, yeah, this can't be happening type thing. Mm. So anyway, I was very fortunate that I was in good hands. I got onto it early and that mm. was the reality that I, I did actually go and do yeah. something about it. I think that was probably the big thing looking back on it now. And, mate, I was very fortunate, as I said, that it came out successfully, I had a very successful surgery. They removed it without any issues. Um, got some scans done to make sure nothing had spread throughout the body which it hadn't and now I'm mate, sitting here in, in uh, June what are we July now um, without any issues so I've just been doing some monthly bloods just to check everything's under control which it has been the docs are happy everything's like, you know as it should be in terms yeah. of the levels of, of where those numbers were at because um, it was quite confronting they did some testing before obviously the surgery versus post and make the level the, these numbers I mean they wouldn't mean anything as I say it now but in terms of so you can understand like uh, one of the figures was up in the four hundreds. Had spiked that much in right. a specific tumor. Right. Um, finished. Got surgery. Everything done. It's now down below four. Wow. Like, wow. It, it was crazy. Like my body was. Like, it just spiked, and obviously it was fighting this thing. Yeah. And it just needed to come out, and then obviously, thankfully, it did come out fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, mate, <laughs> the recovery uh, was pretty quick considering. I mean, I had this this thing out, and then it was obviously pretty. Pretty cruisy for a few weeks, but then I was you know walking, running, trying to get back into some sort of you know routine. Um, and mate, within three months, I was back to contact, um, back up training, and eventually I went up to, to New South Wales about you know two months after that surgery. Mm. Um, and I played the last six weeks, yeah. So mm. <laughs> all in all, it was about a fifteen month um, hiatus, if you want to call it. Uh, not not for my you know choosing the my accord, yeah. but unfortunately couldn't play for one reason or another. So fifteen months later, mate, to play that game, it was. Um, pretty special about six weeks ago. yeah. Um, and in this, you know, in the shoot shield comp where, you know, no one sort of rocks up and plays in that comp. It's a, it's a tough comp, you know. Mm-hmm. You've got to go through a fair bit to get there. And to play that first game back, after not having played in the rugby for a year and a half almost, um, and after all that stuff, um, it was pretty awesome. And to sort of answer your question about what keeps you going in that moment or what, what you said was, you know, what were you thinking to get you through that, I think it's just, it's out of your control now in the sense of there's no point taking yourself – it's hard as it is, right? You're in a dark – we're talking about headspace mm-hmm. and head noise and we joke sometimes in a sporting environment we joke about head noise. But when you're in a dark headspace as it is, if you're going to do something that's going to send you deeper and, and further down in that spiral, there's no point. And it's easy to say now to get talking about it, mm-hmm. but it's hard at that time to say, well, I've got to look at some sort of positive outlook to get me out of here because if I look down any further, I'm going to fall, mm-hmm. you know. So you have, to, you have to stay positive. And it's not just, you know – wake up in the morning and smile and in the mirror stay positive you've got to do little things you know what I mean like you got to just take some time to yourself and what I found really was awesome for me was I took some time to just strip everything back like it's such a fast paced life and training and work and friends and everything and you're always on and you're going mm. and go so, and that forced me to strip everything back I just sat there often looked into some um, meditation breathing stuff which we've discussed a lot mm. I found really beneficial just taking some time out to clear the head Because your mind's always racing 100 miles an hour and when you're going through something like that, you just think of the worst thing possible and it just takes you there without really thinking about it. So taking, you know, some time just to have to yourself without any pressures of time or whatever and, you know, sitting, couldn't really move much. I was on the couch for three weeks, almost four weeks there pretty much and you do, you just take time to yourself, think of positive outlooks, think of ways around this. Okay, what's my next goal? Set little achievements you can try and tick off and you have to, man, you have to just, find a way to be positive and you know if everyone goes through their own negative moments in life whatever um that may be for them and this was obviously my thing that i was going through at the time where i was so excited just to get back playing obviously the sport that i love and what gives me so much drive and it gets taken away from me again mm. it was tough man and you have to you have to just find that little bit of positive outlook and say okay well, what do i need to do next and just keep ticking your box and for me that was all right do the surgery okay tick come out of the surgery and recover okay tick is that you know the incisions recovered check my blood's okay, okay, so I can physically go back, back out again, and train, tick, train, and then get on the field, and then ticking that, get out in the field box, mm. was like, pretty awesome man, it was pretty unreal,
2: yeah, I can imagine that, so, was quite emotional, yeah, it was, it was, it was yeah. definitely,
1: it sort of happened so quick, to be honest, it was a bit of an airplane mode moment, where it was like, just getting through it, but, <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to explain it without rambling on, but that's that's sort of, you know, where, where it's at. It's hard. You can't put one thing, you can't just say, you know, I'll just smile more and you'll be happy. You just, mm. it's, it's hard. Everyone's different in themselves. You've got to look in, I guess, and that's the best way to put it. You've got to find some sort of positive outlook to, to hold on to to get you going. Because to be honest, throughout, throughout all that process, it was more the people around me that were more worried than I was because I was in it. I was just sort of cruising like, I didn't know. I just everything was happening. Mm. Obviously, you know, the people close to me were so concerned I was probably okay in a sense because I was in a bit of shock. I was just like, "All right, what do I need to do next? Yep. What do I need to get done? Yep. Okay, whatever. Okay, let's go. Let's just do it." Because I was just like, "Okay, next stop, next stop," mm-hmm. which I think helped me a lot as well. Didn't have too much time to dwell on it mm-hmm. um, initially, and then and then I had some more time to think with a bit more clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's... Mate, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to <laughs> it's take it's long, in, man. but um, yeah, no, I think um, it's made me definitely made it again <laughs> another useful experience that's toughened me up in a sense. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: No, it's it's a huge testament to where you're at at the moment going through that. And I know we touched on, you know, before you left, there were a few uh, behaviours that weren't in line with who you identified as, Um, you know, whether it was going out or not having like a good training program all that type of stuff. And from my perspective, please correct me if I'm wrong, you sort of treated this as like a reset. It's like, I'm going to take full responsibility of my life here and I know that everything that goes on in my life is completely up to me. I appreciate there's external noise out there and not necessarily block it out, but you filter out like this is this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah, And, you know, there's often like that saying like, you know, good things come out of bad things mm. and I feel like this, this has been a big one for you. Um, yeah. So, you know, as a very close friend of yours, um, it's quite beautiful to see that progression and to take my hat off to you, mate, because it's, it's a it's a crazy experience, man. And I remember speaking to you about it a few, whatever it was, weeks, months ago. And I was like, man, the time where they're checking whether it's spread to the rest of your body, whether it was five minutes, one hour or a day, like, mate, what is rushing through your head from that time? like, fuck. This thing could be anywhere in my body right now. Yeah, you
1: know? and yeah, to be made that that was that was yeah. that was pretty scary, and that was a an emotional time to be getting those results back because, and and bear in mind that was before the surgery, so they were concerned. Obviously, that it had had you know hunted and and, and spread quite viciously, I guess, mm-hmm. and aggressively because of the type of tumor that it was, and it was a very aggressive tumor. Um, so yeah, yeah. mate, look, it was it yeah. was a very tough, I guess, mental time there because you know you're sort of waiting to hear these news and you can't really rush it. You're just sort of you're waiting around, don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, no, I appreciate that. Those Obviously, you know, we've had some close conversations about, yeah. about things and, and where I was there and how I got through it. And, and that time before, I guess, as you said, I guess a reset. Um, I've always sort of lived by everything happening for a reason, whatever reason that may be at the time you don't know, but it always sort of finds its way around. Um, so to touch on that, I think, yeah, I think it's been a great reset in the sense of, COVID was tough. I mean,
2: we're still living in COVID,
1: I yeah. guess, but that last last year, that, you know, whatever I think 18-week lockdown that we ended up going through overall in Melbourne here, um, over three months or whatever it was, it, it sort of, it took everything away that was always keeping me, I guess, it's sort of your outlet. It's it's your, you know, your chance to blow up some steam, whether that's catching up with mates, training, or just, I don't know, it literally just going outside of your home. <laughs> when you think about it, like, <laughs> You take your dog for a walk. That, yep. You're blowing off some steam without realising it, because that's it's. You're taking your new surroundings. You're mm-hmm. taking your new, I guess, things around you that are keeping you stimulated. Yep. When you're when you're stuck inside your home and you're telling, and someone's telling you, you can't leave your home past eight p.m. Um, straight off the bat, that's obviously putting some sort of you know pressure on you mentally. It's like, well, you're feeling a little bit claustrophobic. Um, yep. And from my point of view, I've always been. And I am, I'm very obviously social. I've got a great group of support network great support network of family and friends. And the thing is that you rely on those people when you don't really realise it. Yeah. So catching up with you for a coffee on a Tuesday hour you may not think anything, but when that's taken away from you, that Tuesday arbor coffee is actually so important. Yeah. And I think what was happening, I had no rugby, I had you know, no the social life got taken away, everyone was on top of each other, closed in. When we got let out again, I was just like a cage animal that had been literally like unleashed. <laughs> 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 unleashed dude like I um look i, I love a good time just yeah. as much as you. Uh, we've we both we've had some yeah. great nights out together yeah. we, we, we're very social people but you know I've always had rugby that's kept me in check I guess and I've always been very motivated I've very, had a very strong training schedule training schedule, and always kept I look after myself but in the sense of I know I've got a goal that I want to yeah, take yeah. off sure. but you can't have that goal and then turn it on there's no, it's sort of switch you have to live by it in your mm-hmm. everyday life too and I lost track of that Yeah. You know, I was obviously, didn't have training or didn't have anyone keeping on top of me in terms of uh, rugby commitments and I wasn't strong enough on my own to keep up my own program and it just, got I was like, well, oh, everything's been taken away from me, I deserve a bit of time off. And I mean, that time off turned into pretty much six months of, you know, just out drinking, partying, whatever, and then not really taking care of my training, my eating, and it was affecting me mentally, yeah. physically, you know, blowing out and just not really feeling fit and healthy. And then it affects your mental side of things. Yeah. So, you know, going into that Christmas, I was like, oh, next year I've got to fire up so then, you know, you come back and you say, oh, okay, I've got to do something. And then you think you started to do something and obviously everything happened with the mm. with the health stuff on top of it. So, you know, it was not, not that I deserved to have cop that, mm. that diagnosis or that, that news, but it was literally forced me just to stop, strip everything back, mm. reset and think, okay, what do I need to do from here mm. to get back on track? And get back on track from a rugby point of view, but get back on track from a life point of view. Yeah. Because I, I did I, I lost sight of probably a little bit of, you know what my sort of everyday sort of life or what I want to live by as well what I want to do you know I completely just lost my sort of my rhythm I guess you want to say um so yeah man look I'm a, I'm in a much better spot physically and mentally at the moment mm-hmm. and this it's funny because and I don't feel and often what would happen is I would go through cycles of pre season training and then yep, season yep. and then off season and then just go complete off and I've always struggled in the off season to keep on track. Physically, mainly, but this was obviously more mental than I realized. And when I came out of it, I'm thinking, I realized now actually, like that was probably more mental than it was physical. Yeah. Because I was so, felt so cooped up mentally. And when I finally they let us out, and from a social point of view, it was just like, oh, I can go and do whatever I want now. I deserve it. Mm. I've had all this time locked up. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, now I've found a really good balance of being able to socialize and not, you know, overdo it. And still have my, my, my fun, you know, little nights out here and there, little treats. but you know, obviously, it's just you know, especially now, obviously coming off the surgery stuff, I've had to you know pull it right back, and yeah. you know, just in terms of diet and and you know alcohol consumption, and just being really stripped on, obviously not overdoing it from, you know, when you've got something really important, you want to try and maintain and keeping yourself healthy and your body, um, you know, as alkalized as possible, and not giving yourself any inflammation, you know, inflammation unnecessarily, and all the, unfortunately, all the fun stuff, is, it's inflammatory, you know, <laughs> you know, your red meat and your red wines. Drinking, you know, cigars. I, I love the cigar every now and again, but, you know, like all the you know, <laughs> the stuff that you love, mm-hmm. you can have it every now and again, but I guess I just needed to strip it back and, and I, was, I was overdoing it. It was just probably an overindulgence yeah. of, of, of life at the time yeah. um, and not having that happy balance, whereas now I feel I'm in a much
0: better spot seeing what that, that balance is, I guess. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Mate, you touched on some pretty interesting things there and I wanted to bring light to relying on, let's just say, external um things for fulfilment in our lives what I mean by that is let's just say I need to have a routine I need to go to my yoga class on a Thursday night, I need to do my sauna on Friday morning etc etc mm. in order for me to feel like I have fulfilled my daily tasks yeah. right? so At what point, you know, let's just say at one stage, as it did, it just gets all taken away. I can't do any of those. Mm. So then you don't know, like, what your purpose is. I don't know, like, what am I doing? You start to get lost. You lose, like, a trail of your identity or what you thought your identity was. And then you have this contrast of what I see myself as and what I'm actually doing. And then when there's that disconnection between those two things, it starts to become a bit of a revolving door and it's like, fuck, I don't know where I'm going here. Yeah. That's a big one, man. So I guess one, just from observing you, you've had the self-awareness to realign that and be like, I don't need anything in the external world, inverted commas, external, yeah. to define me as, as Andreas. And that's that's powerful, man. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, no, that, it is.
1: Hearing, like, when you say it like that, it is extremely powerful because... When you strip everything right back, like if you're relying so heavily on your five pm, you know, hot yoga session or your, you know, your sauna at the gym every morning. But the thing is, if you get trapped week, if you don't do that session or you miss that session, how much will that affect you? Yeah. Like, is that going to rock you? Is that going to put your whole week out? Yeah. Because if the like, for example, the the meditation, for example, it wasn't just sitting in the dark room, quiet, like just singing kumbaya. For me, <laughs> some people will find that yeah. you know, yeah. soothing. Some guided stuff was good, some breathing stuff was good, and now I've sort of found a happy sort of place where I'm doing my own sort of thing with involved with some stretching and some flow mm-hmm. stuff, sort of just helped me. But initially, I was doing that every morning as soon as I woke up because yeah. that's what I, I felt like I needed to do. Right now, I'm not doing it every single morning, religiously, mm-hmm. but I will do it most mornings. And then if I don't do it in the morning, I might do it in the AVO, but if I don't do it in the AVO, I'm not too stressed, I'll yeah. do it the next day. Yeah. But initially, when I was coming out of that surgery and I was going through some Sort of times where I'm trying to find some outlets to sort of reset myself, as you we're saying. Yeah, I had to do it more structural and routine as a routine, and I think that you, I mean, for me, I, that's what I, I what I found is that you can't have it like that because yeah. then if that thing that's supposed to be helping you it becomes a chore, then you've lost sight of what it's there for because it's supposed to help get out of that mundane routine that we've just talked about getting yeah. out of and resetting. Because if you're so heavily relying on it and you miss it, and if that's going to put you out even more than before, then what's the point yeah, yeah. You're, not, you're not getting yourself yeah. a better headspace um, to move through the week or whatever you're going through so yeah I think that was interesting coming out of that it was a bit more it was, it was a chore routine but I didn't see it as a chore it was mm. more routine but mm. now found a good little spot where it's um yeah it's as it comes I guess
0: yeah yeah. yeah. well you're just sort of testing at the start you, you know? do you need to see what's out there and, and explore and then once you find a happy balance it's like okay I've collated all these like let's just say experiences or knowledges like, you know, you've mentioned breath work and meditation. So you get experience of the different methods and whatnot. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to funnel what I really enjoyed out of that and what I uh, really resonated with. And I'm going to continue that with freedom, practice that when I want and throw my own little spins in there. Maybe, you know, you chop and change with one sort of like session, let's just say you're chopping and changing between, meditation and breath work yeah exactly.
1: and, it's, and it's fun yeah <laughs> it becomes fun yeah i mean honestly the first couple of times i'm trying to do these guided meditations it's a bit yeah it's like oh this is not really doing anything or it's a bit you know sort of boring i've come I'm struggling to sort of just calm down and mm. stop the mind and then even the breath work i was like this is a bit silly you know mm. but when you sort of
0: focus a bit more into it and sort of buy into it i guess um, you, you will find benefits out of it. it so it's, it's interesting that you say that, um, let's just say meditation is boring because I feel like that's a really common uh, result of when people first start to try and meditate, you know. It's a really poor term, but anyway, try and meditate. Um, and they just be like, I'm switching out. Like, this is fucking boring. Yeah. Five minutes in, like, I don't want to do this shit. So... From my experience, the reason why people find that it's boring is because the mind has nothing to do in that time. When we are in meditation and are self-aware, we are trying to have, let's just call empty space within, and the mind's job is to continuously work. So when you're asking the mind to be silent and quiet, the mind doesn't want to do that. It wants to continue to do what it's been built to do. And fill the space. Fill the space. Exactly right. So I implore anyone who has tried meditation a couple of times and said that it's boring or not for them to really acknowledge that the mind is just doing its job and the mind is beautiful when it's when it's used correctly. But the issue that we have is that we find it really difficult to, let's just say, switch off. Mm. And, and, and in that switching off, is when we achieve silence and meditation. And there's so much clarity that comes from that. Mm. So, um, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge that because I've heard that a lot, you know, it's boring. Yeah, It's interesting, man, it's and super interesting.
1: It, and it won't take one or two sessions, Yeah, you know? Uh, that's the thing as well that you do have to be a little bit patient with it. And the one I, it was an app, um, Headspace, that yeah. I downloaded that I've been sort of using as a, as a bit of a guide. And the good thing I liked about that, the first couple of sessions that was on there, just the basic intro, sort of um, mm. 10 sessions it was, you know, the, the lady on this, you know, she's saying, if, if nothing, if you don't feel any different, that's okay. Mm. You know what I mean? What it really is, is a check in to yourself, to see yeah. how am I feeling, what's my mood like? Can I just take some time out? But by the end of the 10 minutes, or 20 minutes, whatever you like three minutes, if you're not feeling any better or any worse, that's cool too. Because mm. it's just trying to, like any other muscle, you're training. So yeah. you're training your mind, you're just trying to be able to reset without having to like turn off all the lights and you know, be in that like complete, yeah. you know, meditative headspace that you think you have to get to. It, it, literally, you can just sit there, you can be in the car, I mean, we've spoken about this, hmm. if you've got a long commute to work or you're driving out, I've found, you know, I've got an hour commute to training at the moment up there, Um, you know, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll just do a bit of breath work before I head out to training while I chuck on a podcast. That's meditation in itself. Yeah. Like I'm not sitting there with my eyes closed, yeah. my, my knees folded, but. It's just about finding little skills that you can pick up in your yeah. everyday life. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. It's taking it away from that traditional Buddhist meditation. You're not going to sit there in absolute silence for an hour and a half or two yeah. hours before work. It's not realistic. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to benefit you either. Mm-hmm. So it's finding ways where you can do it. And what I'm trying to find now is in my everyday, back to normal, you know, mm-hmm. in the common, normal life. Because at that period there when I first did it, I was literally just recovering, sitting at home. I had that luxury of being yeah. in that space to myself without any pressures of, you know, other people or commitments. Yep. So you've got to try and find it in the everyday life. So, mm. And it may not happen as you want it every day, so you've got to
0: be, you've got to be okay with that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, the challenge is taking it from saying, I've got a one-hour practice or, I've got a, or I want to do it in the morning or yeah. I want to do it in the afternoon. The challenge is then what, more so awareness rather than challenge is to be like, well, I want to constantly be in this state mm. and what's stopping me from being in this constant state? It's a lack of self-awareness or appreciating yourself. So, you know, you take that into your everyday work and when you're walking or when you're reading or whatever it is, you can check in whenever you want. You don't need guided or you don't need a set set time to be doing that. That's right. It happens all the time. You just have to unveil it. Yeah. And that's powerful stuff, man. Yeah, it's huge. And it really sort of goes on sort of your mood and your appreciation, your gratitude and and your connections around you because if you're peaceful within people can feel that man yeah. the interactions that you have with people you know it, it really shows it, it's cool well it's, it's just touching
1: on that it's funny you've triggered me there to some about that people can feel it mm. I mean I had a good mate of ours um, shared mate he came up to visit me in Sydney a couple of weeks back um, before the lockdown give him a shout out uh, great Jimmy Ford <laughs> uh, the wide frame that he is um, apparently he's filled out yeah he's hugely actually <laughs> Um, he's actually now selling a six-week gym program that you can follow with him. It's really, a, he's a virtual trainer. Wow, there you go. Yeah. I don't like to give him too much, but um, <laughs> if anyone's looking for some advice, how to bulk up, yeah, he's so, Um Sorry. Anyway, so it, it, you know, he he, um, he picked up on it. He he came up and um, I had seen him for a little while. I've I had I had seen him obviously um, before I went to Sydney originally, mm-hmm. but then he even was sitting there just reflecting a little bit like what we're doing now. We're we'll yeah. just reflecting on the last. Sort of year and a half of experiences, and he's also had some, some, some struggles that he's gone through with his own health as well, and, and some mental stuff that he was going through on the back of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he was trying to, um, we were just discussing and reflecting and giving examples of what we were both sort of going through. And one thing that came down, he said to me like, like honestly, I can just feel like your energy is so different to where you were about six months ago. Yeah, and that six months ago he's referring to was, well, more than six months ago now was that sort of time at the back in the last year where I was sort of. Sort of burning the candle a little bit too on the one side, both both ends without really giving myself that you know that that, that right balance that I really yeah, yeah. need, and you know just overdoing a little bit with the with the social stuff and going out and not really giving my the body and my, my mind enough enough fuel, I guess, and just burning myself too much. And you know, he said like, "Well, I was just sitting there, or we having a beer, having some lunch, and just like, he's like, mate, like you just I can't explain to you how different like, mm-hmm. like you are to what you were about, you know, what was eight months ago, mm-hmm. ten months ago.'" And, you know, that that's that's pretty cool to so yeah, hear that. It's a great acknowledgement, Yeah. You know, one of your best mates picks that up. Yeah. And it wasn't like, we were not sitting there talking and like doing a one-on-one, you know, like a mm-hmm. tool session, but it, it came up in conversation. So if it's coming up like that casually, like he didn't have to dig far, I didn't have to dig out yeah. will ask him for it. He just yeah. sort of, he picked up on it and like, yeah. you just said there, but people will see it. And I just, that just made me realize, again, is mm-hmm. an example of it. people will see. It. People mm-hmm. will see that you're a lot more clear, there's some clarity around you, you're not constantly like on edge or chasing or, you know, so fast. You mm. just sometimes you need to just slow down and people will see that in you if you've mm. been able to sort of mm. to get there. I guess it's um it's different for everyone though. Yeah. Yeah. Easier to slow down when you're in Greece though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're in Greece and you're sitting <laughs> on on the beach is a lot different. <laughs> um, I just wanted to rewind a little bit here and you touched on diet and inflammation. Yeah. Big one man. Really big one. Huge. So um, you know, obviously going through the health issues that you were going through, that's obviously a huge one, And What we're putting in our bodies is, in my opinion, really underrated, really underrated. So, you know, when you're in that stage of like, okay, I want to recharge my body as best as I can, and you go back to the bare basics of, of just eating well. It's yeah. not that hard, really. But we get caught up in, in the rest of it. And um, inflammation is a huge one, man. And personally, I, well... I guess living at the beach is the best in terms of getting the salt water, getting into the salt water, Um, and in particular oysters, very good for for negative charge and and also grounding. So, um, you know, walking barefoot on on grass and that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, just run us through, you know, the diet change, um, sort of like where you went from to where you are now, um, and and the inflammation because it's super interesting. Yeah, it
1: it is really interesting, and it's something that I've really sort of delved into, especially after what I've um, gone through at the start of the year, and I sort of was trying to find ways to see what I can do, in my, what I can control, what mm-hmm. I can do. And one of those things was my diet. And as you said, what you put into your body makes a huge difference. And to go back to pre-surgery and pre-diagnosis of what had happened, I was probably not in the best space because I was so inflamed. Yeah. Like, and look, the thing is with testicular cancer, they say that there, there's no it's not a result of anything. It's not hereditary. Unfortunately, it, it, it can pop up. But what I know is that my body was so inflamed and it was I was just not well in terms of what I know my body to be that if there was any sign of something you know, if my body if anything was gonna start and my body was so inflamed and, and uh, acidic as it was, it may have maybe why it made it so bad and aggressive, I guess yeah. why it took off. Yeah. Now the doctors didn't say that and he said there's nothing unfortunate, we don't know why. Yeah. But I know myself I wasn't in a great spot and that's because of eating too much processed food. Mm-hmm. Eating, um, you know, relying on a heavily based meat, red meat diet, and just way too much alcohol. Yeah. Now, although, and and it's funny because I've been reading a lot about it and seeing what the biggest, you know, acidic group, food groups are, what the worst inflammatory foods are. I mean, dairy is just right up there as much as red meat, and I have you know, cheese every day. Yeah. Without, and I don't see cheese as a you know inflammatory, Mm-mm. acidic food, but it is. It's up there with meat. Um, the processed foods you know just the classic you know binging a week going Monday to Thursday okay but then Friday Sunday just absolutely blowing out yeah and you know, getting to the end of the work week and then a Friday night you know drinking binge drinking and then you know have macros feet on the way home mm-hmm. and in the morning you, you're tired and hungover and you lose that whole weekend yeah so it's, it's all the stuff we know anyway but what I was just to find out was just going in and saying okay what's going to help limit, limit and minimize the acidity in my body mm-hmm. what's going to help alkalizing so getting more alkaline in your diet to try and get the inflammation down and see what i can do and there was things like just stripping it back to basics in the sense of no process cutting all you know processed meats out for for me what was interesting was that you know, being in a greek environment greek house so lots of meat always in our diet probably meat every day fish uh, chicken uh, red meat whatever it may be and it was interesting to find out that unfortunately though the meat is an inflammatory food it is one of the top Especially red meat is one of the top mm. contributors to that and into into you know increasing inflammation in your body. So I sort of coming from such a big heavy you know meat eater myself, it yeah. was like okay, well let me try something. I you know the doctor said it wasn't going to make he can't back it to say it's going
2: to make a difference because they, they
1: won't do that because there's not enough science behind it. Right. But what the science does say is that putting this in your body will increase the acidity. Putting this in your body will help alkalize your body. So that was enough. I guess, to say okay, well. Whatever I can do to try and bring my body down to, to normal. And then once I'm to normal, keep it down and then actually make me better off for it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that was tough because the only thing that got me into that position was unfortunately this, this situation with my health. Yeah. But the fortunate thing was, and it's actually helped me with perspective is that it's forced me down this path and now I'm actually really enjoying it. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not eating meat. I've pulled back on the dairy. I've tried to make sure that. I still have a little bit of fish, mm. and it's been hard because I I just went to fish and had I was almost having fish every meal. and Then I'm also reading, and there's also another whole lot of you know can of worms about yeah. fish and how yeah, carrots, and what you source it. Yeah, and it's yeah. got to be trying to get wild caught, not farm fish because the farm fish is pumped with chemicals and yeah, yeah. other stuff as well, which is just as bad for you. So you can't really win because every path you go down, you're finding issues. <laughs> so it was just stripping it right back. You know, lots of greens, lots of veggies, sticking to mainly fish as my protein. But finding other ways, you know, there's beans, legumes, there's lentils, there's other sources of, of protein you can find too. And it's, it's the classic debate about meat and whatever, you know, there's game changers and all this shit about veganism and you can go and you can find that, you know, you're down yeah. a vortex of information and that's the problem as well, there's so much overload. Yeah. It's crazy, man. But what's always come back, and I've read some books, I've done some research and I've done my own little sort of thing. Yeah. And mate, the Mediterranean diet yeah. has come back as the winner in every single scenario. There you go, mate. And it's 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 not the, it's the Mediterranean diet. It's not the Wok diet. Yeah. So it's, it's not big the big difference. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. It's not the, the diet that people not you olive know. oil on everything
0: <laughs> or no, olive oil. No, on no, meat. you
1: can't have olive <laughs> oil. What they're saying is, who's so, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what they're saying is that like the true Mediterranean lifestyle is yep. predominantly plant based, really. Yeah. And and the traditional old style, the Japanese as well, the traditional Japanese style also very much plant based with a little bit of fish in there, maybe mm. fish as their protein, mm. and what they're saying is, if you look at some of the oldest people in the world, they're from these random rogue Greek islands, or some random 110 year old in Japan, yeah. Yeah. It, the reason, their, their food, obviously, they've got the luxury of a lot of the older, in, in, in these islands, stuff. they catch their stuff fresh, Yeah. It, you know, it's not pumped out of woolies and coals, you know, yeah. and these mass mass produced stuff, it's it's fresh, and it's wild caught, and it's in their little backyard, yeah. and it's all cool. stuff like that, it's homegrown and, that helps with the quality of the food. It's not being pumped with chemicals. It's not being sprayed with fly spray. Yeah, and that yeah. also makes a difference. But you've got to do with what you can get here. So you still, you do your best to try and get everything organic and, and all the rest of it. But it's really sticking to a predominantly plant-based diet with some fish in there as well that I found mm-hmm. really important. And, and it's also forced you to be creative because then you've got to find other ways to cook yeah. meals. You don't just have your meat and veg um, on the plate every night. So yeah, and it's been good, man. More of a Mediterranean lifestyle. I'm not complaining with no, that. I'm very happy to live a Mediterranean lifestyle. But yeah. yeah, lots of olive oil. No, not being afraid of of the fats in terms of like avocados, yeah. your nuts, your seeds. Yeah, it's all it's all really good for you. It's actually really really good in terms of helping with um, acidity in the body and inflammation. And you may yeah. not think of it, but those good fats are really good for you. Olive oil, heaps of olive oil. Sometimes a bit too much, but you know. <laughs> um, you know veggies, lots of um, you know sweet potato, yeah, um, you know yeah. eggplant, all the all the good stuff, and then you know some good f- if you can get wild caught salmon, you know barramundi, snappers, like lots of good whole fish, and mm. you know you can get your as you said your oysters and your calamaris and octopuses as well, but just finding other ways to go. Okay, how am I going to get my protein here today? I don't yeah. have to always have fish at the, on the plate. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and getting, it, getting
0: it the best fresh sources you can possibly get it. Mm. Um, yeah. And straight away, people say, like, oh, you know, it's pretty expensive. But the way I look at it is you're going to pay for health one way or another. Yeah. And option A is fill up with good shit, pay, pay for organic food and whatever else. Um, or fast forward 30 years, you're going to be paying for a tablet to take every day. Yeah. Pretty simple. 100%. Um, and you, you touched on chemicals, man, and I came across an interesting article on it, and um, this suggested that on average, uh, this is in the U.S., on average, a male is exposed to 85 chemicals per day and a female, 165 chemicals per day. Well wow. And when you put that into perspective, man, Michael, what do you think that's doing to you? <laughs> and you wonder if they
1: know they're taking those in there as well. Well,
0: I, I would say most of them know. Like yeah. you know, you, things that you do mindlessly: toothpaste, deodorant, yeah. shower products. You know, you do all that stuff, and you don't really realise the fine print. Like your skin is an organ as well, yeah. so whatever you're putting on your skin, it's going straight into your bloodstream as well. Like it's not just what we're eating. So, you know, to be cautious on. Well, just to be aware of that stuff is pretty important moving forward. Man, because as you said, the society that we live in in terms of consumerism is pretty out of control. Yeah, it is. And it's also, you almost don't have a choice sometimes. Yeah. Because what's the easy option? Yeah. Is
1: it just to go? And, and that's why I think I was lucky there where I had a little bit of time to myself. to And the luxury of just not having pressures and the time and place to be and eating out. The, I was just obviously just eating at home. I was at home recovering a little bit there. Yeah. Where I was like, okay, well, let's maybe restructure my diet a little bit. Looked at some charts about what was going to be going to be best for me. Mm. But then it's also, as you said, it's moving forward and how are you going to keep it up and staying away from that, that, that chemical and artificial sort of yeah, yeah. diet and lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and mate, you know we, we've joked about this before, that you know, this old 110-year-old man on a Greek island, he'll still have his ouzo yeah, day, yeah. And, his red, and his little yeah. white wine from the cusp. But he'll have one, maybe two. Yeah. And I think it's just overall, it's overindulgence that gets yeah. us in trouble. It's not so much the, the choice of what we're having. You can, you can control the choice, but then again, it's also how much of it you're going to have. Yeah. Because yep. as good as the food may be, you've got to be able to say... You do, man. Okay, I'll limit it to this amount. That's hard for us. And man. that's very hard. <laughs> and that's, that's been my downfall. We've,
0: we've been brought up in a family where it's like, you finish the plate, <laughs> and, and i I'm I'm to you. put you more. I have another plate. And if you don't eat that plate, I'm going to be really disappointed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're not invited back. If you know. not
0: I think that's... that's, that's um, it's embedded in you. It's in your... It's in your, you know, It's like, you don't leave food on the plate, right? You know? Uh, man, I have this uh, discussion with the missus all the time. She's like, you don't have to eat it. And I'm like, but there's food I on the it. table. I've got to finish it. <laughs> there's these words in the back of your mind. Finish it. You have to... Um, uh, no, yeah. that's a big challenge for me, man. Like, is. I'm a sucker for that. Yeah. I really am. Um, as you said, no matter what the quality of the food is, if you're overeating, you're overeating. Yeah. Pretty that's, simple. And I
1: think... Um, I'm finding that if I, you know, if you can find a good little balance where you can have your treat every now and again, like, you know, I haven't really craved anything that I've cut out, but yeah. you know, if I'm going to crave a piece of steak, I'm going to make sure that it's grass-fed, organic, exactly. and it's well-sourced.
0: Exactly.
2: Do
1: you know what I mean? Like, yeah, th- that thats the difference. I think moving forward is obviously my my reason for cutting out meat. Look, I, I'm not as much in the ethical. I, I can see that stuff mm. and why that's become so prevalent as well because yeah. some terrible stuff that's been mass-produced and just pumped out of. All over the world, yeah, um, and there's, and that's a real issue as well. Um, but from me point of view, from my point of view, sorry, obviously for me it was was a health point of view, and, and, and which is you know you think would be more important for people to, to realise that. Mm. Okay, the ethical stuff's there, but what are you putting in your body? Do you yeah. realise by eating that, that's actually doing this, or but you know, not everyone sees it that way. So if you can get it well sourced and fresh and organic and grass fed, for example, with meat, and then it's wild caught with fish and you know, you're trying to get organic veggies and you're trying to get organic fruit, you're putting yourself in the best position yep. to have a, you know, to have longevity Yeah. You're going to have some times where you're in a bit of a rut or you may mm. not be always up, like you may have some, some times where you're eating the wrong stuff, but mm. if you can pull it back and you're able to pull it back, I think that's important and realizing, realizing that mm. and, and
0: being aware of it, I guess. Exactly right. And it, and it just does a full circle, man, because yeah. that directly attributes to your mood. 100%. You know? 100%. And mate, that's,
1: Literally, what was happening to me? I was yeah. in this cycle there at one stage last year where it was, mate. I'm I'm tired. I'm flat. I'm, yeah. I'm down because I'm eating the wrong shit. I'm hung over half the time. You get to the midweek where you sort of a little bit up and about again, and you just do it all again the next exactly, week. Exactly, man. It's a terrible rut.
0: It's it's a deep cycle. It's
1: a deep cycle, mate. And you do need balance. You need balance in life. And I think the thing is, those sort of you know. Blow out all those times we blow up some steam and made more sweet when you actually yeah. have reason to and I think 100%. that's that's what it comes down to as well when you've had a tough week or you've worked hard or you've had a big block of training you know you can go and have that that session on a Sunday other with all your teammates or your mates and you know you you've earned it yeah I think that was the thing I didn't I hadn't earned anything when yeah. I was just going too much the one way so it all it all comes back all yeah. comes back to it. Yeah. yeah I think the biggest thing to wrap everything up will just be um, perspective yeah I think that's the best way if I can just sort of wrap everything up from my point of view after all these experiences and, uh, and everything that's happened is it's put everything in perspective really nicely um, and the thing is I mean you don't often perspective you don't always get it unless you go through something and then it's, you know, it's nice once you're out of it but in the time it didn't feel so good mm. looking back on it now I think it's just giving me some great perspective you know um, if something doesn't go well with training or work or something then it's like well does it really matter in the bigger scheme it may sound a bit cliche in the big picture but it really, it's true. Yeah, you know, if something hasn't gone your way, but what, what's actually really happened? You know, in in, in, the, in these environments that you know we're talking about with rugby or yeah, sure. work now, it's like, mate, well, okay, it was a, it was a, it was a bit of a shit session, or we didn't play the best game, we got flogged but I'm out there, I'm playing again, I'm so stoked that I'm out there that I'm actually back in the environment where I'm playing and you're back around your mates, you're back, you're living your normal again.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So whatever gets stripped away, it's it's those little things that just puts everything in perspective. Mm. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing if I could wrap it all up. That's given me some seriously good perspective. It's given me a chance to strip everything back. And yeah, feeling like I'm in a good spot now to sort of keep going though, and not just say, Okay, that's done now, but try yeah. and yeah, continue to sort of live better. Feel yeah. good. Feel good, play with, look good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no mate, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it.
0: Ah uh, good stuff. Well yeah. we might wrap it up then. Beautiful. Yeah, thanks. thanks for, thank you very much. Thanks for having Cheers. me. Cheers. Looking forward to it. <laughs>